Welcome to episode three of the Black and Gold Blueprint presented by Fans First Sports Network. I am your host, Mr. Roy Countryman. I'm glad you're back with me for the third episode here. We're going to jump into all things regarding free agency, at least the first part here. Uh, We know the NFL Combine is going on right now as we speak. Um, There's agents talking to players that may be getting cut, looking for new contracts, looking for extensions. Um, we're setting the stage for everything that's going to be happening here in the in the new league year. So what I want to do is jump right into it. And I'm going to get into a segment here right now with the Steelers' own free agents. Um, and I know there's been a lot of different podcasts and and writings going on right now of what they should be doing and, and and who they should retain, who should they let go. So we're going to play just a little bit of a game here called Walker Talk. And we're going to take a look at the unrestricted free agents, first of all, here. And I'm going to give you the the rundown here. So in the walk category, which means we're not going to really spend a lot of time in in investing um, time and effort into trying to bring these guys back on a new contract. um, We're going to start off with Levi Wallace. I think he, uh, he played a key role in the Steelers defense last year. Uh, wasn't always the high quality play that we were expecting out of him. Um, he was an undrafted free agent from Alabama at one time, but he has stuck around the league for a long time coming from Alabama. But he just, we need to improve upon our number two corner situation. And not only the number two corner, but the whole cornerback room needs improvement. So outside of the quarterback position in our offensive line, you could make the case the cornerback is one of the top needs in this whole entire roster. So Levi Wallace is a guy I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on uh, investing capital or or trying to re-sign him to a contract. So I'm going to let him walk. Uh, You have other corners like Shandon Sullivan. Uh, He played decent out of the slot at the nickel corner. Um, Probably a better um, blitzer and run defender than a uh, pass defender at this point. Um, Has stuck around the league and, and bounced around a few teams, but we need to improve on both of those spots on our defense. And, we're going to get into talking here a little bit too about what the options are with other contracts that are on, um, on the Rolodex here. Um, situations are if they're going to keep other secondary members or go outside to free agents, uh, to look to address these situations. So Chan and Sullivan is one that I'd maybe put at just a higher uh, percentage of, of them offering a contract just to come back for some continuity amongst the secondary players. But he would still be not one of my targets to be uh, holding on to. Uh, the other corner that's that's out there amongst our own is James Pierre. Um, was very encouraged as a young player to see him get time early on, but he's never been able to break through and find a starting spot. He's a good athlete, great special teams player. Um, if we bring him back, maybe in a in the mold of a Miles Boykin Gunner type situation last year, um, low contract that's just above vet minimum or vet minimum. I could see them doing that just for the experience, especially a special teams play. But those, the, all the three of those corners are players that we should be looking to improve upon, not be just bringing them back to to have status quo. Um, another position that's uh, was affected on our defense wholly here, especially in the second half, was linebacker. And Quan Alexander going down with another injury at the end of the year is going to hurt his chances in coming back. I thought he played well for Pittsburgh uh, when he was available. Uh, I love that three-headed monster that we had with Landon Robertson, him, and Cole Holcomb when they were all healthy. Unfortunately, um, injuries ravaged that that trio. Um, Landon Roberts was the only one left standing. And we'll get to talking about Cole Holcomb here in just a little bit. So, Quan Alexander I don't see him coming back maybe outside of uh, 
if they don't, if they're not able to bring in a linebacker in, in the draft in the, maybe a late day two, early day three situation or through free agency, if they're looking for a veteran, maybe to, um, bring in just the same way he did last year in training camp. Um, I could see them bringing him in, in in that case, but early on in free agency, he's not a player. I think they target to bring back same way with Blake Martinez. There was a reason that he was still available when the Steelers were able to snatch him off the Panthers practice squad. I think he's in a similar situation. If they're looking for a depth piece right around training camp um, with experience, they would bring him back. But those are both players that we're not going to see him spend a lot of time on uh, trying to bring in. Miles Boykin's the final guy that is amongst our unrestricted free agents that um, outside of his special teams value, I know he got a, a decent amount of run in, in blocking situations outside and some packages with uh, Matt Canada's offense and, and Faulkner and Sullivan's, but he's really just a special teams player at this point. So I don't see them bringing him back unless it's specifically for special teams. So that was our walk category. We got them out of the way quickly. Um, We're talking about some positions that already are looking for improvement with cornerback, um, nickel corner and linebacker. Um, So we're going to get to the point of the talking ones now. Who are the Steelers unrestricted free agents that they should be talking to about bringing back? Well, um, let's get some of the lower key players out of the way. A guy like Elijah Riley, um, he has that versatility at corner and safety. I think he showed um, some finesse and and versatility uh, when he was able to be healthy. I thought he was a quality special teams player. Um, I'd like to see them bring him back on a vet minimum deal um, just for the roles that he was playing there. A little bit of continuity as well as Michael Walker, um, a linebacker that they brought up from their practice squad. He was a starter for Atlanta previously, and he had some rough moments, but uh, just to have a little continuity and veteran experience, it would be nothing more than a vet minimum contract. But the uncertainties with Quan Alexander, Cole Holcomb, and and not knowing um, you know, Elena Roberts is basically your only guy that you can depend on. Mark Robinson's there, but he hasn't taken that next step. So just another guy to, to fill a hole, unless you're bringing in a starting caliber linebacker, uh, just to have in the room for training camp. I'm not saying Michael Walker is going to make the roster, but both Elijah Riley and Michael Walker would be guys that if I was a decision maker, if I can get them on practically nothing, um, to where they're not even in the top 51 in contracts that are going to be counting, they're quality people to have on my offseason roster. So Miles Killebrew was a special teams um, pro bowler this year. Uh, I think he's one of the stalwarts and, and captains of that unit. And I think he's a key resign that we need to have. Um, if he's playing big defensive snaps, I think we're in trouble. Uh, not not knocking him, but his role and niche is really special teams. And I think he plays it well. Um, he's blocked a number of punts since he's been a part uh, of our system here. And I think he, he really deserves a new contract here. I'm not paying out of the woodwork for that, um, but he would be um, paid rightly so and given his key place here. Um, edge rusher Marcus Golden is a is a quality case of a guy that he really fit into the system well uh, when he was here. He played key snaps uh, when we had guys go down with some injuries with TJ and and also Highsmith needing some more um, um, rotational work here. So just so we don't overwork anybody. Um, and also seeing the leadership that he showed in helping bring along Nick Herbig. Uh, I would bring Marcus Golden back at, at, at any at any realm here as a key veteran presence. I think that's really made our edge rushing group amongst the four of them well-rounded, has experience, explosiveness. Um, 
they know how to get after the quarterback. And, and I think he's at a point in his career now that he wants to get into the playoffs in a deep run. And this is just a great system and fit for him. So I think that one's not going to take much to do. I think Marcus Gold will come back as long as we're fair in a deal. Um, so that's one I'd really like to see take place. Now we're going to get into a couple of these interesting ones. Um, Interior defensive line is another need of the Steelers this offseason. Um, we had a guy in Armand Watts um, was a late, um, late ad last year. He really showed some pass rushing chops um, as well as some, some decent um, run defense in the small amount of snaps that he was getting. Um, and by the end of the year, he was really starting to accrue more and more snaps in the rotation. So that's a guy that, uh, his arrow is pointing up, so I would like to invest back in him a one or two year deal. It's probably not going to take um, a lot more than, you know, backup money into rotational money as far as the defensive line money goes in free agency. Um, we could probably get him on a two year, maybe six, seven million dollar type deal. Um, but I would love to see them bring him back as well as Montrevious Adams. I know late in the year he was replaced by Keanu Benton, but the the thing I'm going to throw out there and what we're going to discuss here in potential cap casualties is the money that they're paying Larry Joby. Is he worth that much as far as production off of what we could get out of Montrevious Adams and Armand Watts, as well as going out either in free agency to bring in a middle tier to even an upper tier defensive lineman? Could we release Larry Joby? and target Montrevious Adams and Armand Watts for our depth. We could pay the price of two for one. Plus they'll have some savings to be able to go out into free agency and try to address the entirety and have maybe three players and the production out of those three players in a rotational role to what we are getting out of Larry Ogunjobi. Larry Ogunjobi is a great teammate by all accounts, and I'm not taking uh, shots at him personally, but Um, when we get into these tough situations in front offices, you have to make the decision based on production. And, um, I'm not so sure that we, we wouldn't be better, um, set up to have two to three players at maybe a slightly increase of what Larry Okunjobi is making himself. And we could have Montrevious, Adam, Armand Watts, and maybe another free agent. So that's something I want you guys as listeners to think about here as we're talking about building this team for the 2024 season. Finally, we're going to get into the uh, the not so dirty little secret. Mason Rudolph is probably our biggest biggest free agent question going in here, and no, we'll definitely be talking with him. Now, the caveat is going to be, what is he going to ask? And I really do believe that the front office is interested in bringing him back, but at their price. I think Mason Rudolph is uh, he showed improvement, especially with poise under pressure, um, not getting jittery um, inside the pocket, um, showing the confidence to pepper his targets and knowing where the progressions are. And I'd love to see him be able to get a fair shake at the starting job. Now, we've already heard the reports about Kenny Pickett and that the franchise is still high on him as the starter for the next couple years. Uh, they are giving him this third season as starter, at least going into it. So will Mason want to come back with knowing that he has the inside track, Kenny Pickett that is, in being the starter? Or is this just going to be another time of when Mason hasn't really had a fair shake, excuse me, or an opportunity to come away with the job? Especially whenever it's coming down to last season, 
And some of his teammates were banning around that they wanted Mason to start over Kenny. Are we going to want that type of controversy going on behind the scenes in a quarterback competition whenever we're trying to be getting answers about Kenny Pickett? Is he the guy or is he not? We can make this argument as much as we want. And rightfully so, because that is what our win-loss record is going to come down to is the style quarterback play. And when we look at the way our roster is structured, we have a lot of players that are creeping up to that 28-year age plus then over the 30-year threshold that the defensive players are going to be getting closer to their end of their rope than what they are in their prime. So can we effectively take another year of evaluation whenever some of our key players on defense are getting closer to walking away? That's something this front office has got to take into effect. Mason Rudolph is somebody that's somebody I think they should be bringing back. Um, I think he's a great backup quarterback. Uh, When you're looking at quarterback play, you got to look at, you know, there's 32 NFL teams now with the role of having three quarterbacks. Is he one of the top 96 quarterbacks in the league? Absolutely. That would mean he's one of the three best quarterbacks on each team. Is he the 64th best quarterback? Yes, I would agree with that. So he is one of the best backups in the league. I would say he's top 50. That's not, you know, hearsay. That's not just clickbait. Mason Rudolph is a quality NFL quarterback. Now, is he one of the top 32? That is up for debate. And that's what we're talking about with our quarterback play. And that's what we're going to be getting into in a subsequent episode here about our quarterback conundrum. So I don't want to dive too much into that, but just, you know, Mason Rudolph is definitely somebody we should be talking to. And finally, just want to talk about some of the other free agents that we have. We have some restricted free agents, um, which basically mean we have to tender them a contract at a level uh, to where we get some compensation back if they were a draft pick, if another team would offer them, um, or we can non-tender them and they become unrestricted free agents. We have Christian Koontz, who's our long snapper. They will be re-signing him. Um, that would be your your talking point there. A couple walks are Godwin Igwobuke, who was our kick returner at the end of the year. Um, they're not going to tender him at what the price would be um, as far as that is. They'll non-tender the rest of these players in Godwin Iquibuque, Chappelle Russell, and also Renell Wren. They might sign them back to a lower term contract that's not on the tender. Um, so nothing really to see there. I wouldn't be surprised if they bring back Iquibuque on a, on a different deal after they non-tender him closer to training camp because he was a quality kick returner. Um, and they had a couple of um, exclusive rights free agents, which basically mean the team that they were playing for only can tender them a contract um, higher than what the contract was. Uh, but there's no way that that player can go out and negotiate with another team. And that was Dylan Cook, um, who was about our fourth tackle this year. And they've been developing. He's a previous quarterback. And as well as Jeremiah Moon, he was an edge rusher, we claimed from Baltimore. Both of them have already been re-signed. So just to recap, we're here. We had some walking talks. The biggest uh, players we're going to see walk is Levi Wallace, Shandon Sullivan, um, Quan Alexander, James Pierre, Blake Martinez, and Miles Boykin. The players we should be talking with about maybe bringing back Mason Rudolph, Montrevious Adams, Marcus Gold, Norman Watts, Miles Killebrew, and then finally Michael Walker and Elijah Riley. So that brings me to uh, the next point here. And this is where we're going to get into a little bit of a in-depth talk. And that is the cap casualties or possible trade possibilities that we're seeing before the new league year. We've already seen a host of players already released. Um, It was kind of refreshing to see the front office 
jump right in and, and start cleansing themselves of some of these contracts. And that was Chooks Okorafor, Mitchell Trubisky and Mason Cole. Um, I don't think any of those were really a surprise. I know some folks were, were taken aback that the Steelers were, would release Cole um, at this time and kind of leave themselves with a void at center. Um, I don't, I don't see that because we're in free agency. They're going to, I think, go out and, and sign a guy um, to help in that aspect uh, until somebody in the draft is able to come in and start. But we will have um, somebody, I think, in that place. And then Presley Harvin, who really struggled down the stretch, all four of those players was released. So a couple ideas here that we need to be mindful of. When it comes to um, cap casualties, you're looking at what the cost effectiveness is in releasing the player and what you will get with cap savings compared to dead money. So dead money is the amount of money you're going to carry no matter if they're on your team or not. If they're released, the cap savings is what you're able to take off of your um, functional money in free agency and, and your cap space. So. Um, and then uh, when we're talking about June 1st release, each team gets, I believe it's two, t- two players that they can designate as June 1st release. The caveat with that is that once you designate that player with that termination, it does not immediately come off your cap. You hold that cap charge until June 1st, and then you spread their dead cap hit over the next two years. And then that is when you get the cap relief is on June 1st. So that could help out if we're looking at being able to pay or have money in the coffers for, you know, the late veteran free agents, like we were just talking about with Blake Martinez and Quan Alexander in the free, in the training camp uh, timeframe, as well as signing your rookie free agent class. So that kind of money can come in handy, but we're really going to be looking at players that uh, we need to be getting decisions made on by that March 13th deadline, which is the new league year. Um, A couple guys that um, are particular ones that you need to be aware of is Larry Ogunjobi. Uh, We talked about him here just a little bit earlier. He has what is called a roster bonus. Um, There's two players on our team right now have roster bonuses that are three days after the new league year. And that's Larry O on March 16th and Patrick Peterson on March 16th. Uh, Larry O has a $4.75 million roster bonus. And if we release him before that, we don't have to pay him that. So in our discussion I was having with you earlier, are we going to maintain Larry Ogunjobi whenever he's been a workman-like defensive lineman, a quality player, but we can save that amount of cap and money to be able to put into both Montrevious Adams, Armand Watts, and possibly an outside addition. And I think with the rise in the salary cap that we've seen that was unprecedented this year, which already has put us in the green as far as cap space, we have a few players that you're looking at that with our releases, we're getting into a spot where we can maybe go out and make a push for a upper mid-tier to even an upper-level defensive lineman if they're available. Um, You're looking at guys like Christian Wilkins if he's not franchise tagged. Young defensive lineman, that'd be great addition to our, our D-line. DJ Reader, who's been a force for a number of years. Grover Stewart, Ashawn Robinson, um, a guy like Javon Kinlaw, who finally looks healthy from a San Francisco and they're not going to have the money to re-sign. Or maybe we go get another veteran to sit beside Cam Hayward and the young buck Keanu Benton in Fletcher Cox. And I know Fletcher Cox and Cam Hayward are quite close 
from their time, even on Radio Row, they were doing interviews and talking about wanting to play with each other. And that might be a one-year deal that you're able to secure and have Cox, Watts, and Montrevious Adams in your coffers. So that's what we got to look at here. And I really think Larry Ogan, Joby, it's going to come down the wire. And I think it's really going to come down the wire based upon who's going to be available and who's franchise tag and who's going to be in the free agent market. If they think they can do better for what the cost price and effectiveness of Larry O is, that might be a move that uh, we shouldn't be blindsided with. Now the Patrick Peterson one is, is one to be very interesting because as an outside corner, absolutely not. He's not coming back at the price that we can, that we're paying him right now. If we release him, um, we get almost $7 million in cap relief um, and, and just a little bit under 3 million in a dead cap. Um, but for me, I would look to just completely convert him to safety. I know he struggled with some tackling at the end of the year, uh, but knowing coming into the season that if he would have to focus on safety opposite of Minka Fitzpatrick, I think that communication, veteran stability would be absolutely phenomenal in our secondary. And it would also give us the opportunity to then release DeMonte Casey and Keanu Neal, which Keanu Neal is going to be a release factor either way. Uh, we're going to be able to save just over $2 million with him if we release him with minimal cap, um, dead cap. And DeMonte Casey, we can release and we can get $3 million cap um, savings and under a $1 million in dead relief. So you're really balancing out. Do you want to keep Patrick Peterson on his or are we going to release both KZ and Neil? I think Neil's gone either way. So the question is going to be, who do you trust more, DeMonte KZ or Patrick Peterson? Because I don't think they're going to put themselves in a position where they release all those players. So we're talking about, you know, right out of the blue here, your safety positions, your linebackers, your defensive linemen, your quarterbacks, your corners. We got a lot of different decisions to make here before the beginning of the new year. But I want to talk about one person that's been brought out there with the media that is simply just not going to happen. And that's Walter Payton, man of the year, Cam Hayward. Cam Hayward does have a giant cap hit for this year at 22 million, a little bit over 22 million. It's 22, almost and a half. They would get 16 million by, by releasing him, but they also have over $6 million dead cap. They're not going to release that man. He is one of the heart and soul leaders of this team. And they're going to treat him with the reverence that he deserves. They're going to give him the treatment that they gave some of the rest of their players like Jerome Bettis and Heinz Ward and be able to maintain them playing with one team for their entire year. And they would be smart to take the, the amount that he has this year and basically recycle it. So they could restructure a contract to where they sign him to a, say a tear up this year's deal to a total of three years with a void year attached, spread that 16, 18. And if you want to give them a little bit of a raise of 20 million into a signing bonus over those two to three years and spread that over the course of having the base salaries close to vet million, vet minimum, excuse me, and have the signing bonus spread out. That's the way you circumvent the salary cap folks. You can't look at just what he's going to get this year. You look at that number and how can they, purvey that over a time span and cam hayward is going nowhere like i said he is one of the faces of this franchise and leaders on this team um i think if they cut him it would be absolutely terrible for the environment of our team i think there'd be a lot of people upset um and i just don't see that happening so 
those that are reporting that, I don't think understand the entirety of how the cap situation works and especially the dynamics in building a team. It's not always money. It's also the gravitas and effect they would have on each and every man in there. And each and every man on the roster is a better person for having Cam Hayward as their teammate. So the final predictions out of those players that I want you to be aware of is Keanu Neal and DeMonte Casey. And one guy that I didn't really talk about a lot, but I think it's almost an assurity is Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson uh, can be released with, we get $10 million uh, cap relief right away with just under $2 million dead cap, which isn't a big deal. Um, that, that payoff right now is, is worth it. I could see them if they want maybe to come back, um, right around training camp. If he has yet to find a deal, bring him back maybe right around then. But I think we're going to see some new blood at the wide receiver position. I think we're going to see him uh, on his way out. And I think that'll be one that you see happening sooner rather than later. Another guy just being made aware of, but being more release of Mason Cole is, is uh, Nate Herbig. Um, he, we could also gain $4 million in cap relief if we release him at just under one and a half million in dead cap. So he'd be a guy that, he is holds too much value at that price for his experience at garden center. Um, if we wouldn't have released Mason Cole, then you probably would have seen her big released. Um, but they chose the younger player with the higher upside, more versatility. So you're not going to see him go just about anywhere. He might be your week one starter. If we don't bring in a, um, you know, a, a patch starter for when the rookie is ready. So is there anybody on our roster right now that could be a surprise cut? Um, we talked about a number of players here is maybe Larry Joby, but the surprise cut I'm going to throw at you, and this would be, this would be really hard for a player that was coming on is Cole Holcomb. Where is he at in his recovery with his knee? Um, I talked earlier about the three headed monster at linebacker and it was playing well with Quan Alexander and Roberts and Holcomb, but that was devastating. And they can release him right now with uh, just over $3 million dead cap and gain $4.36 million in cap savings. But if they announce him as a post June 1st cut, his dead cap goes below two and they get $6 million cap savings after first, after the first of June, which would be about enough to keep in the coffers for to pay for your rookie class and just a little bit left over for some free agency. So keep that tucked away in the back of your mind. The only caveat with that would be that we would have to go out and sign a free agent in free, a linebacker that could come in and either start week one or be a highly functioning member of a sub package um, opposite of Landon Roberts. That's going to create a hole that we already have at linebacker and it might make us sign a free agent and have to draft one if we get rid of Holcomb. But we already don't know the certainty of his health going into 2024. I'm praying and hoping that he is feeling better. Like I said, he was coming on down the stretch. I think he is a quality ball player um, and could be a leader in this defense. So we talked about cap casualties and who might be the surprises and and who might be uh, people that are there. So what are we going to do with trade candidates? The trade candidate that everybody talks about is Deontay Johnson. Um, Why would they trade him? Well, he's in the last year of his deal. Um, He's going to be a free agent next year. Um, They dealt with effort issues. He's made amends for them. He's openly bandied for Mason Rudolph over Pickett, which we talked about earlier. Is that going to be something that kind of dismays the front office and wanting to re-sign Mason? 
Um, he went as far as to say, I've been knowing Mace, how Mason plays since my rookie year. So it wasn't nothing I wasn't expecting for him not to do. I kind of have high hopes of him doing what he's been doing when he became the starter receiver. Deontay Johnson said, like I said, hopefully he gets the job next year and do what he's got to do. But he did a great job, in my opinion. So you're already talking about a guy that's been um, quoted in the media with his affection for Mason Rudolph. Um, there's been murmurs that he's going to have a hold in for a new contract. Um, and even Ray Fittipaldo, the Post-Gazette, uh, on a podcast on their North Shore Drive podcast, reported he's not getting a strong feeling that the Steelers want to go down the extension road with him again. So all those kind of white flags are waving and saying, maybe Deontay Johnson should be a guy that's looking to be on his way out. So we can gain that cap relief of almost $10 million and maybe recoup some draft capital to do so. So who would, who would be interested in what kind of return could you expect of a trade of Deontay Johnson? Well, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Bruce Arians has been a huge fan of his coming out of the draft. He, he went on record as, of, of badgering the Steelers wide receiver coach at the time that they stole his sleeper. And when they took, took him right before their pick um, in the year that he was drafted. So the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with their uncertainty with Mike Evans, if Mike Evans leaves town, I think you may see them pivot to a Deontay Johnson uh, to be able to go and catch passes from likely Baker Baker Mayfield Uh, team like Kansas city chiefs um, that need a separator um, outside. I think that that would be a good cheap option for them. The Carolina Panthers could take a chance on them uh, and being the go-to target for um, Bryce young. I can see the Jaguars. If Calvin Ridley doesn't resign the New York jets opposite Garrett Wilson, uh, the New England Patriots, who really don't have anybody to separate, uh, whether it's for Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi, or whomever the draft pick is to be named later. The New York Giants could use a guy like that to continually get open. They have some speedsters there, but they don't have that go-to separating force. And then finally, the Atlanta Falcons, who need a quality number two ops outside of Drake London, and the Arizona Cardinals, who really don't have a reliable target and to say Deontay Johnson is reliable sometimes is kind of a mouthful, but he has improved his game over the last two years, even with those issues that we've talked about. So what kind of return are you looking for? Well, being he's in his last deal, you're not going to get a first round pick. You wouldn't get a first round pick, even if he had two years left on him. I think you're looking at this point, a second to third round pick in what you could get. And it's going to depend on which team it is and if it's going to appeal to a younger quarterback looking for a go-to target or a veteran that needs just another ancillary target. All that being said, if we ship Deontay Johnson out of town, George Pickens is the go-to guy. We have Pat Fryermuth. We have these uh, array of running backs and the tight ends that we have here. We're still going to have to go out and replace him in free agency. And I know Tyler Boyd's been somebody that's talked about. They don't play the same position. Tyler Boyd's mostly a slot receiver. Deontay plays the X or the outside receiver a good bit. He has some versatility. They're not translatable. Um, So we're going to talk about some targets for that in a later episode. I'm not saying that it's not a bad idea to, to gauge interest and maybe float that out there. If you're happy with the way some of the free agents could be that you can replace them with. So putting all that in context, we got you the cap casualties, the trade possibilities. We gave you the Walker talks of our free agents. 
And that's going to parlay me into advertising the next episode. In episode four, we're going to talk about the outside free agent targets, the players from other teams that we're going to talk about that I would go after. Um, And then we're also going to dive in with that, the quarterback conundrum. Are we going to go out and target a guy from another team or are we going to stay in-house with the Rudolph and Pickett connection? So make sure to tune back in for episode four. Make sure to follow me on Twitter or X at Preacher Boy Roy. Go check out my work as well as Jim Wexel and all his fine staff over at the Steel City Insider on 247sports.com. If you're working on any mock drafts or you're getting ready to keep tabs of all the offseason moves, go make sure to check out my website, prospectencyclopedia.com. Go get my friends over at the Steel Curtain Network, Jeff, Dave, and Brian, a listen to their various podcasts. You won't be sorry for that. Um, and you know how I always like to end this here. I want to take a second, let you know that life is bigger than just the results on the gridiron. And if you are in need of an ear or maybe a challenge flag to help you review and get back on track, hit me up on my DMs and I'm always willing to listen and talk. Um, or if you just want to talk shop and talk ball, reach out to me at at Preacher Boy Roy. This has been episode three of the Black and Gold Blueprint presented by Fans First Sports Network. Stay humble and be a blessing.